Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. With the increasing popularity of digital marketing, many financial institutions have shifted their focus away from direct mail. But is this a mistake? Some believe a well-designed and targeted direct mail program can be a secret weapon in your marketing arsenal. At a time when banks and credit unions are looking to break through the marketing clutter, the Data and Marketing Association revealed that direct mail may be the most effective marketing channel to drive engagement and return on investment. We are fortunate to have Dave Fink, CEO and co-founder of Posty on the Banking Transform podcast. Dave shares how direct mail can turbocharge any financial marketing campaign, how to leverage marketing technology, for traditional channels, and why multi-channel campaigns perform the best. Listeners to the Banking Transform podcast may not be aware that a major part of my career in banking was being a direct marketing agency executive serving the financial services industry in the U.S. and Canada. While the industry changed quite a bit during my 20-year tenure in the business, it was always focused on generating measurable results from one-to-one communications. So, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and most importantly, your company, Posty? I think many guests may find it interesting that while Posty is a seven-year-old company right now and we focus solely on bringing technology and marketing capabilities um, in kind of a, a 2023 era to the direct mail channel, the vast majority of my career while in direct response marketing and quant marketing and startup land was was not in offline media. It was all in digital. So I started my career probably 1999 and, you know, in the digital um, revolution. And what I fell in love with was probably some of the same things about quantitative marketing that um, that that you know, marketers in the direct, you know, direct response, direct mail world fell in love with before the internet, which are the ability to, to actually leverage creativity and testing and optimization and feedback cycles in order to understand what's working, what's not working and feel, you know, some level of control over your media spend and your ability to grow your business. So, you know, you know throughout the first call it 18 years of my career, I, I either was involved in building uh, marketing technology and whatever emerging digital channel was was relevant of the day. And, and that you know, ranged from lead gen to email to SMS to programmatic display to influencer marketing to social, y- you name it. And and what you know, and then really the other half of the businesses that I was involved in in building were consumer brands that all could be competitive with much bigger um, uh, competitive brand sets because we understood how to build direct consumer relationships very quickly, very efficiently, very dynamically. And I was fortunate to see businesses go from zero to four hundred million dollars of revenue over three, four years because of. Uh, that knowledge, that capability, um, being you know a little bit maybe savvier earlier than than some of the the big competitive brands who had been doing things differently. So fast forward to you know, seven years ago when we launched Posty, that you know, 
I think as most digital marketers career have evolved, your channels, you know, kind of come and go, the principles all stay, but in the digital world, there's always been something new and big that that's come along since, you know, the mid nineties. But if you look at the last decade, it's been, it's been a kind of a decade of consolidation and dominance, mainly, you know, meta and Facebook on the demand gen side of digital and then Google on the intent side, you know, the search side. And, and so there are many businesses, both digital, you know, native businesses, as well as traditional businesses that over the last decade have come to rely very heavily, if not, you know, a tremendous over-dependence on those two channels for their growth. And, and we, we were caught up in that as well. And so when I looked at what was kind of happening, I knew that there was, there was pain coming for us and we needed to move and, and, and become more diversified again in our media stack. But in digital, they're just wasn't really anything big and exciting and scalable. This was 2011, I guess. And and if if you think back to sorry, not 2011, 2016. If you if you think back to that that kind of time period, you know, TikTok didn't exist. It was still an app called you know, Dance Bite. Um, Snap existed and had some momentum, but there was no ads platform. There were channels like you know, Twitter, which is in you know, we're, we're all talking about today for different reasons, but it wasn't a great ads platform or Tumblr. But you know, that really forced us to look offline for big growth opportunities. And because we're quantitative in nature, we gravitate towards channels where there's data and prediction and measurement and feedback loops. And direct mail has always had those things. What was missing was there was no technology layer to make those channels integrate with the rest of our marketing stack. There was no you know, optimization capabilities or executional um, platforms and technology to make it easy to, to, to come up with ideas and get them out in the world fast. And, and so for us, we, we kind of just had this idea of, I wonder if it's possible to build the marketing automation layer to direct mail to to get advertisers excited about the channel again, knowing how performant and scalable it is. So maybe a bit longer winded answer than you were looking for, but I do think it's interesting as 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 a brand or marketer to kind of think about the the last twenty years of history, how much has evolved, and and where we are today. And and it, it's not easy out there right now to to grow your business, especially if you're relying on a couple of key channels that maybe yeah are not as 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 mighty as they once were. Well, it's interesting. Our very first guest was Gary Vanichuk, and he talks about return on attention. And and you realize that he he talks about it also. You got to get the the channels when they're hot, but when they're hot they become less hot because the cost goes up. It's a, it's a supply and demand issue. But as you referenced, the technology has changed so much that every channel's in effect more effective than it's ever been because of technology. But it's a, it's still a matter of cost and return. And, and you know, do we had we found that maybe marketers in general have really grabbed the, the shiny object with regard to tr digital marketing and have let go of channels that maybe they should reconsider. I think that's what you're saying, but I want to make sure I'm hearing it right. And that every channel has changed based on the ebbs and flows of the marketplace and the cost parameters, correct? Yeah, I think you nailed it. The certainly supply and demand 
you know, factors into your ability to get a return on, on investment, you know, whatever that KPI you're going after, a return on ad spend or a CPA or a CAC to lifetime value ratio. If ad rates go up, the performance or you know must go up as well. And for a long time, platforms like Facebook and Google, you know, invested in big data and eventually machine learning and optimization capabilities in their interface that that allowed us to get smarter and constantly you know, move towards optimization. But at some point, you've kind of squeezed every bit of juice out of a lemon and you know, there might be some incremental gains here or there. You might fight off some ad performance deterioration, but at, at some point you're going to kind of you know, hit an asymptote. And if ad rates continue to go up, you're you're in trouble. And and that's what we've seen from from Google and Facebook in particular, as their demand you know has just continued goes through the, through the roof because of the tools, because of the reach, because of the investment they made in their ad platform. But at some point they you know, they hit a ceiling. You know, there, there were many years when it was there was still you know, new user growth on Facebook. Like that doesn't, that's, that, that, those days are over, right? right? Like there's population, you know, contraction and there are more users that are kind of getting burnt out by social and attriting from those platforms. There are less monetizable, you know, sessions. Those, those kind of cycles, you know, come and go on every platform. Facebook just happened to have a really nice long run and that was savvy enough to buy Instagram and extended their runway for a while. But yeah, you know the 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 you know the performance from non digital channels n- n- didn't really disappear. You know, I think that just as marketers, the tools that were put in our hands in dig- from digital ad platforms and all the innovation that that were bred into those channels gave us you know the ability to to get better at our jobs. We could we could leverage more interesting data, we could bring our first party data to platforms, we could be really predictive in leveraging lookalike models on top of consumer segments, more insights into what's working, faster um, testing and iteration cycles. Like all those things just made us better. Yeah, the whole world moves fast, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you could you know, go home from work and relax and when was the last time your phone wasn't blowing up or you didn't hear dings all over your house? And it, that just doesn't happen. The expectation and the speed and pace of our life across the board. If I don't, you know, respond to one of my kids, you know, texts within you know, oh, 13 seconds, yeah. I'll get a second one, right? Like yep. our jobs are no different. Marketing's no different. And so for us, we can't fight that. Like there's probably not any going backwards to a more peaceful world of less expectation, but you know, as a brand, as a marketer, as as a company that that needs to grow, the, we can't lose sight over. At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is in, tell our story, target and and spend allocate our budgets most effectively to engage the right prospect segments or right consumer segments that we think we can be most helpful with. Get our message out there into the world where those those you know, prospects and and customers you know are spending time, and um and and hopefully make you know better decisions as we see which channels are driving most engagement. So whether it's direct mail or linear TV or addressable TV or radio or out of home and billboards or social or search or programmatic display or email or SMS or on and on and on. It's going to be, you know, what works is going to be a little different for each business. And the more I think technology layers to make our our lives 
easier and to put more power in our hands so that we can optimize those channels, the more likely we are to find success. So it's interesting. I, I get home, you know, from the store. I go to the mailbox. There's nothing in there. I may visit the mailbox once or twice a week when it used to visit it all the time. I, you know, the mailbox is somewhat empty compared to what it used to be. Um, is this a challenge or an opportunity in the marketplace? You know, it, it sometimes, you know, that empty mailbox may mean you, you have a much, you know, back in the day, you'd have 20 different offers from finance institutions in your mailbox every day. Now that doesn't, isn't the case. Is this an open opportunity as opposed to a challenge? I, I think it's pure opportunity. Look, I mean, the mechanics, ma mail still gets delivered. So there's a delivery, um, you know, uh, distribution network, right? The, you know, there were a platform that measures every touch point, every campaign, you know, there are hundreds of millions of, of pieces of, of marketing mail coming off of our platform, you know, tens of thousands of campaigns being run and we see the performance. So I can definitively, you know, look you in the eyes and tell you that this channel works across the broadest set of, of advertiser categories. That doesn't mean that every campaign, every message, every audience is going to respond the same way. So you have work to, you know, to do, which is why we have a job and a company. Um, you know, we're trying to make you more efficient and give you more capabilities. But it, look, the, I, I, you know, arguably, I guess any channel can get saturated. But, uh, you know, the, the, I can't speak to... I don't think there's been any studies to suggest how many pieces of mail hitting a mailbox in a day, a week, a month would drive saturation. But what I can tell you is that the campaigns that are being delivered when you're leveraging, you know, good targeting, good data, you're bringing your first party insights, um, just like you are in your digital channels. You're being thoughtful about how to speak to your, your customers, leveraging the same best practices that are working across any you know, channel, digital or offline there's a high probability of driving success and direct mail is, is the ultimate in brand safety and scale. You don't have to worry about a crazy video being played, you know, alongside of, of some piece of content that, um, that is not representative of your brand. And, um, and you can reach, you know, the entirety of your addressable market because every, you know, individual who lives at an at, you know, addressable um, household is reachable through direct mail. You don't have to wait for them to come on and check their newsfeed or um, to run a search and be in market with intent. You can go and actually um, drive demand. So you've referenced it multiple times already, the fact that you, know, you have a way to measure and monitor results better than I ever did when I was in the industry, in the direct marketing industry. Um, you also have the ability to measure the effectiveness of marketing mixes of different channels. How can, can you share something around how the marketer can bring quant to the mailbox? Sure. Well, it, it's, it's more accuracy and ease than, than anything else. So direct mail is, is the original quantitative measurable channel. Uh, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always, you know, a hundred percent accurate because you know, data hygiene um, is always something that requires requires investment that not every marketer has the ability to invest in. But if you think about you know, direct mail, you're you're starting with you know with an addressable audience, right? You you know everyone in the audience. You know the name and address of those individuals. You've selected those people for a reason. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, and then you know if 
in not all cases, but if you're a brand that has is closing the loop on at the con- point of conversion, certainly digital brands, but you know any POS that captures um, that identity at at checkout, which more businesses have robust loyalty programs. Certainly in the financial institution, you, you know, you, yeah, there's you know you know your customer, so you're you're creating an actual account for that individual. That that um, feedback, that that data can can be fed back into your can- campaign management, and you can look for matches between an individual that received a specific pr- piece of creative during a specific attribution window and an action that they took with your website, with your POS, with your lead form, et cetera. The, the challenge has always been, you're doing this off of multiple Excel sheets and mail merges, the data doesn't match one-to-one, you know, especially when you get into big campaigns of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of records. There's no way to go through one by one and realize that you know, road is spelled out here and RD was entered upon conversion. And so that doesn't actually attribute. So software makes that all possible, and and just like in the digital world, you know, Posty, um, big uh, component of of the Posty platform is is identity management, and so when an individual converts, that data gets normalized, just like when a uh, and a individual is included in a campaign, and that campaign goes to production, that data is normalized, and so when we see a conversion. There, the the platform sees a conversion. It can very accurately attribute it back to a specific test hole, test cell within your your campaign structure. No different than digital. Yeah. So when when you're looking at a client, when you're sitting down with a client, does direct mail fill a a pocket of opportunity with regard to is it better with brand building? Is it better with loyalty? Is it better with acquisition? Or is it different based on the offer? I mean, I, you know, when when I was involved in direct marketing, we kind of knew where direct mail played the best within the media mix. Um, is that still the case, or is it it because of the the quantification available, the measurement available, the analytics available, it can be used for everything almost just as effectively as other things? Well, I love it because it's one of the channels, the rare channels that can attack the full funnel. So we we talk a, a lot about this when we're you know, educating and, and engaging with with a, a prospect brand, we we break it down into kind of three different core buckets. So you know, and you, you talked about all of them. So there's you know, the holy grail for any growth uh, organization is is prospecting, top of funnel acquisition, and because there's a wealth of data that can be used in very similar ways to target. And to get smart over time, the same way that Facebook builds lookalikes, or you're doing your training models on you know, your programmatic platform, your direct mail, um, in theory, um, you can, can can benefit from those those same kind of use cases of data. And and we've worked really hard to to make that simple and integrated and easy. Yeah, then you go kind of the next step, you know, down, and and it's what I would call mid funnel. So it's you're collecting all this first-party data in your mobile apps and your lead forms and maybe you know um, lead collection data if you in 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 the world you know kind of in world um, website visitor data cart abandonment funnel abandonment all, all of that first-party data that 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 hopefully you know your pipes are set up to collect you can activate in digital channels but you can also activate in direct mail so you can do things like funnel abandoners, cart abandoners, you can do email converting not, or email capture non-converters or lead capture non-converters. All that mid-funnel data where like you've worked really hard to engage um, those interested parties, but they didn't make it all the way through a revenue generating action. 
how do you put that insight to work and, and direct mail through a platform like Posty can, can, can make that possible, bring that to life. And then you go you know, down to the bottom of the funnel. Now you have CRM, right? That's your liquid gold. Like here are your customers. These are individuals who have transacted with you. Um, maybe they're not behaving the way that you want them to. You think that you, you haven't built the loyalty yet, the repetition. Maybe you want to drive um, tighter um, intervals between transactions. Maybe you want to uh, introduce different products and cross-sells to increase the lifetime value or the average you know, order value. All that is incredibly um, not just possible, but but performant with direct mail. So you have the full funnel there. You know, depending on the size of the brand and your marketing team, it could be overwhelming to think about going into the channel and attacking the full funnel all at once. And and the key there is to just lean in and with you know with either with uh, you know a company like us or with your your team and and start prioritizing you know where you think you can get the the greatest gains. But over time, you know, highly encourage any marketer to start working, experimenting with all three you know um, you know levels of that of their funnel. What are some of the secrets of today's direct marketing, direct mail? that most marketers just miss. You know, if, you, if you're going in to visit a, a client for the, or a prospect for the first time, you're saying, here's some things that most people just don't know the way they used to or, or they never knew. And as it might be different than what's done in digital, whatever else, what are some of the secrets right now of direct marketing that we just miss? Well, that's a big question. Uh, it's an it's a, uh, important question, I think. So... First, I would start with this idea of if you're an organization, there, there are two types of organizations that 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 are out there. There's there's the type of organization that is currently doing direct mail, and yeah, and then there's a wide you know grouping of them. But we'll look at the extreme. They've been doing direct mail for decades. Core part of their marketing mix, they're doing it the same way they did it before. It's long lead times. They're sourcing data the same way. They're writing their same cadences. Maybe they're doing some light testing because it's complicated to, to get different ad formats. They're optimizing mostly on cost. How can I get cheaper paper? How can I print cheaper? You know, that, well, that's I remember their, those days, yeah. Yeah, that's their optimization level layer. Um, then there's the opposite of the spectrum. There are people that had never even seen a stamp before, right? Everything they do is digital and, or, you know, maybe they've, maybe they've done some TV or, 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 you know, some other, um, you know, offline channels, but they've never run direct mail at all. In the way that, that we oftentimes talk with, um, each side is slightly different. The, you know, doing direct mail have their ways of doing it. Typically, those organizations are running direct mail in a silo, but yet they're running all their other channels integratedly. They're looking at media mix modeling. They're thinking about um, you know multi-touch funnels. They're yeah they're thinking about these like key addressable audiences and how you run front-end display ads and then how you retarget from them. And you know uh, they're thinking you know cleverly about depending on how they join an email list whether it was based on an ad that had an offer or what channel that individual or that segment came from, let's treat them differently. But direct mail is kind of being done the same way that they've always been doing it. To me, that's the biggest miss. The opportunity is to think more dynamically. It's not to think about like direct mail as a separate thing, but to think about it as here is this segment of individuals that we're reaching through any number of channels 
how do we maximize our media exposure? How do we ensure that the storytelling is consistent and and cons- and 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 um, and um, and that w- whether it's you know, what the story that we're telling through direct mail or a newsfeed ad or a display ad or an email or a billboard, it's all working together to drive efficiency. That to me is is the key, and that you do need technology for. Or you need a lot of people and custom engineers and and data scientists, which the biggest companies in the world may be able to do, but most mortal companies don't have the capacity to to build those type of teams. When we talk with the 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 never done direct mail brands, the idea is to demystify it. It's to get them you know coming to the channel thinking no differently than they do in digital. What are you looking to accomplish? You're looking to drive new customer acquisition and a younger demographic. That's an um, yeah core mission for the company. Awesome. What type of first party data do you have that you can gain insights from and start activating to build lookalike models or um, to, you know CRM segmentation or whatnot? Awesome. What what story's working? What's working in an email? What's working on your landing pages? What 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 you know messaging is your sales team leveraging out in the world that that's landing and and, and driving engagement? Great. Direct mail, you know, creative should look no different than those other channels. It's got to be an integrated part. And all of a sudden, it's no longer like, ooh, I'm all nervous about direct mail. Or direct mail is different than everything else. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just another touch point. How do we move quickly? How do we, you know, come up with an idea, get it out into the mail, you know, within a day or two? How do we get results coming in within a week? And how do we see how that, you know, is engaged, is, is affecting not just direct mail performance, but are we getting benefits in Facebook? Our email, um, you know, uh, touch points converting at a higher level is our display or retargeting now converting at a higher level. It all works together. And that's for us, that's why we felt like investing in technology was what could be additive and valuable in the marketing ecosystem. Is attribution the holy grail? I mean, is that the thing that kind of drives everything? Because nobody, in most cases, organizations are not doing one channel at a time. They're doing multiple channels. And the the secret was always, geez, how do we know where where the sale actually happened or what part of that sale was driven by a mix that was these these three, these four, these one or two channels? Is that is that really what everybody's looking to try to answer, which is, what is the right marketing mix to get a, the intended action to take place? Well, well, sure. Look, attribution's a luxury. Digital native brands, mobile apps, you know, uh, brands like you know Gap or in your you know um, J Crew or Victoria's Secrets that have huge you know loyalty programs they can capture you know identity data with almost every transaction. They they have an advantage over a local business that doesn't capture that data. Similarly, in in, in yeah, the banking world, almost all transaction data data is going to have identity built into it, and so there's a luxury there. Uh, it look, there's no such thing as perfect, and so uh, saying that attribution is everything. It, you know, suggests that if you're a brand that can't run direct attribution, you should give up on marketing. And what I would argue is that the comp- the two components that are most important in marketing, 
that everybody could do is leveraging the best data available to be as predictive as possible, which eliminates waste and gives you the highest leverage possible in, in who you're reaching with your budget. So data, 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 right? And then the other is being thoughtful and consistent with your marketing message, whether that's look and feel, design, the specific images that you're bringing to the table, keeping your offers consistent so there's not you know, consumer confusion in the marketplace. You know, those two things lead to success. Attribution helps you make, you know, have greater understanding into what uh, what's working and what's not working so that you can get smarter and smarter and smarter. But the targeting on the front end and the experimentation with the appropriate messaging is what drives the performance. Measurement just tells you whether you got it right or wrong. So you can still do a lot um, you can bring a lot of advantage to the table, even if you are not a brand that that can measure all the way through. With that being said, it makes it better for sure. It's a huge advantage. And we should all as marketers or brands be thinking about ways to close the loop with prospects and consumers so we can capture more data, get smarter, make sure that we're you know, um, communicating effectively with, with um, our marketing budgets. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back to Banking Transform. So I'm joined today by Dave Fink, CEO and co-founder of the marketing technology firm Posty. We have been discussing why direct mail should be part of every financial marketer's marketing mix. So, so Dave, you know, I think we both agree that FIs still leave money on the table by not fully incorporating the power of their own data and the technology in the field today. Um, what are some strategies that you can share for capturing some of that extra revenue or at least putting it to work better? If you were to say, what are the first three things that financial marketers should do to make it so their direct marketing performs better? And 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 I'm going to even confine it a little bit more by saying, and try to do it so that it can be done by any size financial institution. In other words, if you find a good partner that can help you do this, this, and this, what are those things they should do to really make it so they're not leaving money on the table? Yeah, for sure. And, and that differentiation is, is great because financial services is a space that has relied, at least the whales have, have relied and dominated the direct mail space for a very long time, right? Your yeah. cap one, I think they have a 600, $650 million a year direct mail budget. Yeah. And they have lots of data scientists and creatives and you know, strategy folks that are working across um, the channel, and they do it really well. Um, well, and, and the good news is, as in everything going on in the financial service industry, there are now specialists in these things that smaller firms can buy the talent. And, you know, these are firms that work on the same, the same, you know, multiple brands, but the same products. It's not like the, the banking world is all that diverse in what they sell. No, and it shouldn't be right. It shouldn't, right. Like that's it's one of those. Um, it is one of those sectors where, you know, if someone's selling you something unique in the financial services space, maybe you should run for the hills. Um, you know, ver yeah, you know, it's a it is a 
well-oiled machine and um and you know we kind of all know how deposits work and how loans work and how securities work and um and it's more about who you can build a relationship with and trust and who understands your business or your if you're on the retail side who understands you know folks that look like you so they can um you know help help guide you into the right products and decisions within their portfolio side um uh, we took a little bit of a detour there but getting back to your original question the the beauty of i think the way we think about the world is that you know we want any marketer to be able to to access the best data available the best modeling and mathematics and and right now machine learning algorithmic based prediction is is you know is at, is next level um and drives next level performance um, having the ability to execute without needing an enormous team having some visibility into as we talked about earlier measurement and what works and to be able to 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 wake up in the morning have an interesting idea and not be intimidated to execute on that idea that could could you know help you hit a, a achieve a a marketing goal the the kind of i think the the three buckets of things that that any of your listeners could be doing is one it's it's insights it's starting from a, a place of strength and and we and each financial institution has lots of data on their their customers they know what products and services that yeah their customers are engaging with you know, the next level becomes what type of third-party data out there can be used in order to build prediction or gain more insights into the unique nuances between why different individuals came and became a member of a bank or credit union, um, financial institution, et cetera. The more um, that you can gain insights into who and why um, uh, these individuals are behaving the way that they do, the more likely you are to be able to work with your creative or come up with the right, you know, think about the right messaging and, 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 and find more impact in, in the way that you're communicating with, with prospects or, or the way that you're upselling existing customers. And, and so that comes from, you know, again, I, I'm just a big believer in a lot of the tools and functionality that we built into the platform is all about not even just the execution. It, it comes, it's it's free. It's it, having an account gives you access to it, but being able to integrate your CRM and be able to see what all the big data providers are saying or helping you understand about your customer base. It's about doing things like clustering and recognizing that not every segment within your customer base is there for the same reason or looks right. you know, the same. And, and so now when you start saying like, okay, now it's time to start allocating budget to go after a specific marketing goal. Now we can look and say like, hey, it's not just that we want more customers in general. It's, it's that we want more customers that look like buyers of this product or we want more customers that historically have been responsive to this message before because they have a higher lifetime value or they're easier to service. And so we can be more efficient with our customer service, customer you know, support teams. You know, now all of a sudden you can go and you can start shaping models and targeting and audiences so that you're, you're not just allocating budget on, on segments that are likely to convert and deliver a, a return ad spend, but that are also likely to behave in the way that you want good customers to behave. Like that's possible in all these quantitative channels. Direct mail is no different. That seems really daunting, but with 
you know, modern software, it's possible to do it. Right. And it's possible to do it with one marketing person. You don't have to have a whole team of individuals. You need someone that's going to engage, you know, in, in the channel and learn the capabilities and, and work with, you know, their account team and, and the returns can be tremendous. You know, I think that's where it really starts. And then, and then from there it becomes, once you understand the specific, you know, nuances within your, your first party data set, once you have the confidence that you can actually target individuals that, that look just like those, those individuals, now you can start thinking creatively about what are the messaging? What is the frequency? What's the look and feel? What are the products we want to feature? What are the benefit statements? What are the call to actions? And that's a kind of, that's just a rinse and repeat, right? And, and as, as markets move, as consumer needs change, as, it, as demographics shift, you know, in your, your customer base, et cetera, you have this, you have the capability now to, to constantly gain insights into it, what's worked up till now, what's not working, what's no longer working, how to activate it, and then how to bring the right messaging offers content um, into those marketing campaigns. And that's the magic. You know, it's interesting. One of the elephants in the room, and there's probably several, but it's the privacy legislation that's, that's getting more and more tenuous for marketers of all types, uh, direct marketing, digital marketing, all marketing. Um, you know, the third-party tracking cookies are all but dead. Um, how does the m modern marketer adapt to this new environment? Well, we're all learning, um, right? The, the cookie is, is, is supposedly dying, but hasn't yet. So right. we don't have to move away from it yet. Although cross-device cross measurement um, has become blurry at best, and that's affected performance of certain channels. I think first-party data is is that's yeah one one component that's not going away. You have you know you always you know, it would be impossible or very hard for legislation to change your ability to actually know your customers, like. Like, like in the financial institution, right? There's something called, you know, KYC, right? Yep. You have to know your customers, yep. right? So it's one of the benefits the banks have. I mean, the reality is, it's not somebody just walking in the store, walking out. We kind of know right. everybody that walks into the the store of a financial institution. They, they have a, a, a regulatory responsibility to do it, and because of that, there always there's always going to be tremendous insight there. The way you activate that data may change depending on how, you know, how uh, you know, some of these, these marketing platforms, you know, um, choose to engage with their own data collection and maybe guided by some of the state regulations, you know, at this point, you know, in the United States, um, there's still, um, lots of permissible use cases for data. So I don't think that's going away. Um, it's putting more onus on, on players like us to, to continue to be leading the way in ethical use of data, transparency, disclosure, understanding what data we're collecting, how we're collecting it, ensuring that we're not using it in ways that consumers wouldn't expect it to be used. Those are all good things. Yeah, you know, we deserve those, I think, as, as humans. It, you know, uh, they just drive, it just drives good behavior. As far as, um, you know, I, I think the, the question is more than in a changing marketing landscape, right? So I think like bigger concerns right now are, you know, assuming that you're playing above board and you're already someone who's, you know, a, a company that's committed to, you know, playing by the rules and doing right by your customers, 
you know, like chances are there's not going to be a whole lot of operational change that you need to take. There might be some expenses associated with technologies that come out to help you manage opt-outs and privacy policies and things like that. But those are good things. I think we can all agree. I think the bigger the bigger concern is going to be if we you know if we've come to an over reliance on Google, and all of a sudden a partnership between Bing and OpenAI changes consumer behavior, and now search you know the number of searches and searching your results page is posted in any given topic on any given day drops by 20, 30, 40, 50%, like that's pretty damaging to almost every business in the world that relies on both branded, you know, non-branded and and organic search traffic to drive their business. What happens if the world finally gets tired of Facebook and realizes, hey, you know, they're in the business of addicting teenagers to their platforms and that's not a good thing. And so parents get more actively involved. And next thing you know, Facebook, you know, monetizable ad impression rate drops, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50%. You know, what happens there? You know, that changes you know, the landscape tremendously because they have beat those walled gardens to become such powerful beasts. And, and I don't think anything we've talked about up till now doesn't apply. It's, it's the same thing. It's you, you have, you know, you have insights into your first party data. You look for ways to leverage that knowledge through your authentic and appropriate messaging and storytelling on the channels that are available to activate those audiences. And the channels may change, but if you, if you take a first party data first approach, then it's it's just more different integrations, experimenting with new and old channels, and reallocating your your media mix, which should just be a never ending. Like that that was always the case. It's only been in the last ten years since Facebook became as big as it did that we all kind of got hit with the dummy stick a little bit and said, oh, we can just build you know throw eighty percent of our budget on Facebook and everything will work out. That 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 worked for a few years. Yeah, there's no cost. <laughs> well, yeah. there's cost. No, but, but there was at the beginning, you know, it's like yeah. everything else. It, the cost caught up with everything. But it, it, it's, and, you know, it's interesting, even Google. You know, I, I see that, you know, by the time a search is done, you're, you're gone through five ads. How effective are those ads and how do you make them more effective? And, you know, I, I think your, your overarching theme here that you've been mentioning since the very beginning is you've got to keep on top of all these channels. Because the return on awareness and the return on attention, it's going to change dynamically every day. We, we see it, you know, we're not in the direct marketing business, but we're in the publication business. And we derive a lot of our page views based on Google. Every time yep. Google changes their algorithm, it screws us up. Once in a while, we benefit from it. But all of a sudden, we realize, geez, you know, we got to change something else in what we're doing. And... They don't give you the rule book. So they don't tell you exactly what they've done. You just know that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, your response or your awareness has gone down. And you're going, okay, what element do I have to change? You know, and, and who's going to be in the marketplace to say, we found where the key was, where the where the little thing was. And so much of this is is intangible in that sense. But I think that's what makes direct mail kind of like a go-to because you do control a lot more of the dynamics, especially when you're using first-party data, especially when you're using third-party data that's been traditional data that's been used for a long time, be it anything from credit bureaus to to address, new address matches, you know, and you get into a situation that, you know, you, you sometimes have to get back to the basics to make the other components work better. And and I, I think another thing that I get a takeaway from what you're saying is, 
direct mail also assists all the digital channels that you're you're really excited about the silver objects out there and but technology is going to drive all this you know we we had the cmo of uh of mastercard on the on the show and and he's just dynamically just intelligent beyond belief in how he's worked with different channels. But at the end of the day, he gets to the point that says, if you're not keeping track of the, the analytics, the monitoring, the attribution models, human behavior, you lose. doesn't matter what channel you use. So, you know, I really appreciate being on the show today. You know, as I told you before the podcast, it, interestingly, while it's my background, it's not a topic we've covered as much as we probably should, and for, especially in the financial services field, it's still a channel that's used quite frequently because of the power of first-party data, because of the effectiveness of direct marketing and direct mail is part of the overall marketing mix. So um, we, we will stay in touch. This has been a good conversation. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I'd love to stay in touch. And um, look, it's it's always fun to talk to someone who who has a history in the channel because it's, it has evolved over the last you know, 30, 40 years, very slowly, but more recently now, all of a sudden, you know, we're wisening up to, it's not any different than a digital channel. Thanks for listening to Bank and Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give our show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. In addition, catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Bruce. Until next time, remember that direct mail may not be the flashiest marketing channel. When executed well, though, it can be the most powerful tool driving engagement and conversions. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.